Volume Three, Chapter Nine, Part Two of Vixen. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Candace Delic, Dallas, Texas. Vixen by Mary Elizabeth Braddon. Volume Three, Chapter Nine, Part Two. The Nearest Way to Norway. She had asked the coachman for news of his mistress, and had been told that Mrs. Winstanley was pretty much the same. The answer was in some measure reassuring, yet Violet's spirits began to sink as she drew nearer home, and must so soon find herself face to face with the truth. There was a sadness, too, in that quiet evening hour, and the shadowy distances seemed full of gloom, after the dancing waves and the gay morning light. The dusk was creeping slowly on as the carriage passed the lodge, and drove between green walls of rhododendron to the house. Captain Winstanley was smoking his cigar in the porch, leaning against the gothic masonry, in the attitude Vixen knew so well of old. If my mother were lying in her coffin, I dare say he would be just the same, she thought bitterly. The captain came down to open the carriage door. Vixen's first glance at his face showed her that he looked worn and anxious. Is Mama very ill? she asked tremulously. Very ill, he answered in a low voice. Mind, you are to do or say nothing that can agitate her. You must be quiet and cheerful. If you see a change, you must take care to say nothing about it. Why did you leave me so long in ignorance of her illness? Why did you not send for me sooner? Your mother has only been seriously ill within the past few days. I sent for you directly. I saw any occasion for your presence, the captain answered coldly he now for the first time became aware of mr vaudrey who had got out of the brougham on the other side and came round to assist in the unshipment of violet's belongings good evening mr vaudrey where in heaven's name did you spring from he inquired with a vexed air i have had the honour of escorting miss tempest from jersey where i happened to be when she received your telegram wasn't that rather an odd proceeding and likely to cause scandal i think not for before people can hear that Miss Tempest and I crossed in the same boat, I hope they will have heard that Miss Tempest and I are going to be married. I see, cried the captain, with a short laugh of exceeding bitterness. Being off with the old love you have made, haste to be on with the new. I beg your pardon, it is no new love, but a love as old as my boyhood, answered Rory. In one weak moment of my life, I was foolish enough to let my mother choose a wife for me, though I had made my own choice unconsciously years before may i go to mamma at once asked vixen the captain said yes and she went up the staircase and along the corridor to mrs winstanley's room oh how dear and familiar the old house looked how full of richness and colour after the bareness and decay of les tourelles brocaded curtains hanging in heavy folds against the carved oaken framework of a deep-set window gleams of evening light stealing through old stained glass everywhere a rich variety of form and hue that filled and satisfied the eye a house worth living in assuredly with but a little love to sanctify and hallow all these things but how worthless these things if discord and hatred found a habitation among them the door of mrs winstanley's room stood half open and the lamplight shone faintly from within violet went softly in her mother was lying on a sofa by the hearth where a wood fire had been newly lighted pauline was sitting opposite her reading aloud in a very sleepy voice out of the court journal the bride was exquisitely attired in ivory satin with flounces of old duchess lace the skirt covered with tulle bouillon and looped with garlands of orange blossom pauline murmured the invalid feebly will you never learn to read with expression you are giving me the vaguest idea of lady evelyn fitzdomer's appearance 
violet went over to the sofa and knelt by her mother's side and embraced her tenderly looking at her earnestly all the while in the clear soft lamplight yes there was indeed a change the always delicate face was pinched and shrunken the ivory of the complexion had altered to a dull gray premature age had hollowed the cheeks and lined the forehead it was a change that meant decline and death violet's heart sank as she beheld it but she remembered the captain's warning and bravely strove to put on an appearance of cheerfulness dear mother i am so happy to come home to you she said gaily and i am going to nurse and pet you for the next week or so till you get tremendously well and strong and are able to take me to innumerable parties my dear violet i have quite given up parties and i stall never be strong again dearest it has always been your habit to fancy yourself an invalid yes violet once i may have been full of fancies but now i know that i am ill you will not be unkind or unjust to conrad will you dear he sent for you directly i asked him he has been all goodness to me try and get on with him nicely dear for my sake this was urged with such piteous supplication that it would have needed a harder heart than violet's to deny the prayer dear mother forget that the captain and i ever quarrelled said vixen i mean to be excellent friends with him henceforward and darling i have a secret to tell you if you would like to hear it what secret dear lady mabel ashbourne has jilted roderick my love that is no secret i heard all about it day before yesterday people have talked of nothing else since it happened lady mabel has behaved shamefully lady mabel has behaved admirably if other women were wise enough to draw back at the last moment there would be fewer unhappy marriages but lady mabel's elopement is the only prologue to my story what can you mean child roderick came to jersey to make me an offer so soon oh violet what bad taste ought he to have gone into mourning he did not even sing willow but came straight off to me and told me he had loved me all his life so now you will have my trousseau to think about dearest and i shall want all your good taste you know how little i have of my own ah oh, violet if you had only married lord mallow i could have given my whole mind to your trousseau then but it is too late now dear i have not strength enough to interest myself in anything the truth of this complaint was painfully obvious pamela's day was done she lay half effaced among her down pillows as weak and helpless looking as a snowdrop whose stem is broken the life that was left in her was the merest remnant of life it was as if one could see the last sands running down in the glass of time violet sat by her side and pressed her cold hands in both her own mrs winstanley was very cold although the log had blazed up fiercely and the room seemed stifling to the traveller who had come out of the cool night air dear mother there will be no pleasure for me in being married if you do not take an interest in my trousseau pleaded vixen trying to cheer the invalid by dwelling on the things her soul had most loved in health do not talk about it my dear her mother exclaimed peevishly i don't know where the money is to come from theodore's bill was positively dreadful poor conrad had quite a struggle to pay it you will be rich when you are of age but we are awfully poor if we do not save money during the next few years we shall be destitute conrad says so fifteen hundred a year and a big house like this to maintain it would be starvation conrad has closed theodore's account i am sure i don't know where your trousseau is to come from here the afflicted pamela began to sob hysterically and vixen found it hard work to comfort her my dearest mother how can you be poor and i rich she said when the invalid had been tranquilized and was lying helpless and exhausted do you suppose i would not share my income with you rory has plenty of money he would not want any of mine you can have it all if you like 
you talk like a child violet you know nothing of the world do you think i would take your money and let people say i robbed my own daughter i have a little too much self-respect for that conrad is doing all he can to make our future comfortable i have been foolish and extravagant but i shall never be so any more i do not care about dress or society now i have outlived those follies dear mother i cannot bear to hear you talk like that said vixen feeling that when her mother left off caring about fine dresses she must be getting ready for that last garment which we must all wear some day the fashion whereof changes but little why should you relinquish society or leave off dressing stylishly you are in the prime of life no violet i am a poor faded creature whimpered mrs winstanley stout women are handsome at forty or even with a shudder five and forty the age suits their style but i was always slim and fragile and of late i have grown painfully thin no one but a parisian dressmaker could make me presentable and i have done with paris dresses the utmost i can hope for is to sit alone by the fireside and work anti-massacres and cruels but dear mother you did not marry captain winstanley in order to lead such a life as that you might as well be in a begonage vain were vixen's efforts to console and cheer a blight had fallen upon her mother's mind and spirits a blight that had crept slowly on unheeded by the husband till one morning the local practitioner a gentleman who had lived all his life among his patients and knew them so well externally that he might fairly be supposed to have a minute acquaintance with their internal organism informed captain winstanley that he feared there was nothing wrong with his wife's heart and that he thought that it would be well to get the highest opinion the captain startled out of his habitual self-command looked up from his desk with an ashy countenance do you mean that mrs winstanley has heart disease something organically wrong unhappily i fear it is so i have been for some time aware that she had a weak heart her complexion her feeble circulation several indications have pointed to that conclusion this morning i have made a thorough examination and i find mischief decided mischief that means she may die at any moment suddenly without an instant's warning there would always be that fear or she might sink gradually from want of vital power there is a sad deficiency of power i hardly ever knew anyone remain so long in so low a state you have been attending her off and on ever since our marriage you must have seen her sinking why have you not warned me before it seemed hardly necessary you must have perceived the change yourself you must have noticed her want of appetite her distaste of exertion of any kind her increasing feebleness i am not a doctor no but these are things that speak plainly to every eye to the eye of affection most of all we are slow to perceive the alteration in any one we see daily and hourly you should have drawn my attention to my wife's health it is unfair it is horrible to let this blow come upon me unawares if the captain had appeared indifferent hitherto there was no doubt of the intensity of his feeling now he had started up from his chair and walked backwards and forwards strongly agitated shall we have another opinion asked dr martin certainly the highest in the land dr lorimer of harley street is the most famous man for heart disease i'll telegraph to him immediately said the captain he ordered his horse rode into lyndhurst and dispatched his telegram without the loss of a minute never had dr martin seen anyone more in earnest or more deeply stricken by an announcement of evil poor fellow he must be very fond of her mused the surgeon as he rode off to his next call and yet i should have thought she must be rather a tiresome kind of woman to live with her income dies with her i suppose that makes a difference the specialist from harley street arrived at the abbey house on the following afternoon he made his examination and gave his opinion which was very much the same as dr martin's but clothed in more scientific language 
the poor lady's heart has been wearing out for the last twenty years he told the local surgeon but she seems from your account to have been using it rather worse for the last year or so do you know if she has had any particular occasion for worry her only daughter has not got on very well with the second husband i believe said dr martin that may have worried her naturally small domestic anxieties of that kind are among the most potent causes of heart disease and then dr lorimer gave his instructions about treatment he had not the faintest hope of saving the patient but he gave her the full benefit of his science a man could scarcely come so far and do less when he went out into the hall and met the captain who was waiting anxiously for his verdict he began in the usual oracular strain but captain winstanley cut him short without ceremony i don't want to hear details he said martin will do everything you tell him i want the best or the worst you can tell me in straightest language can you save my wife or am i to lose her my dear sir while there is life there is hope answered the physician with the compassionate air that had grown habitual like his black frock coat and general sobriety of attire i have seen wonderful recoveries or rather a wonderful prolongation of life for cure is of course impossible in cases as bad as this but ah cried the captain bitterly there is a but in this case there is a sad want of rallying power frankly i have very little hope do all you can to cheer and comfort your wife's mind and to make her last days happy all medicine apart that is about the best advice i can give you after this the doctor took his fee gave the captain's hand a cordial grip expressive of sympathy and kindliness and went his way feeling assured that a good deal hung upon that little wife which he had left slowly ebbing away like a narrow rivulet dwindling into dryness under a july sun what does the london doctor say of me conrad asked mrs winstanley when her husband went to her presently with his countenance composed and cheerful he tired me dreadfully with his stethoscope does he think me very ill is there anything wrong with my lungs no love it is a case of weakness and languor you must make up your mind to get strong and you will do more for yourself than all the physicians in london can do but what does he say of my heart how does he explain that dreadful fluttering the suffocating sensation the he explains nothing it is a nervous affection which you must combat by getting strong dear love exclaimed the captain with a very real burst of feeling what can i do to make your life happy what can i do to assure you of my love send for violet faltered his wife raising herself upon her elbow and looking at him with timorous eagerness i have never been happy since she left us it seems as if i had turned her out of doors out of her own house my kind husband's only daughter it is preyed upon my mind continually that and other things dearest i will telegraph to her in an hour she shall be with you as soon as the steamer can bring her a thousand thanks conrad you are always good i know i have been weak and foolish to think here she hesitated and tears began to roll down her hollow cheeks to think what love asked her husband tenderly if love if tenderness if flattery if all sweetest things that ever man said to a woman could lure this feeble spirit back to life she should be so one vowed the captain he had never been unkind to her or thought unkindly of her if he had never loved her he had at least been tolerant but now clinging to her as the representative of fortune happiness social status he felt that she was assuredly his best and dearest upon earth to think that you never really cared for me she whimpered that you married me for the sake of this house and my income pamela do you remember what tom jones said to his mistress when she pretended to doubt his love my dear conrad i never read tom jones i have heard dear edward talk of it 
as if it was something too dreadful i forgot of course it is not a lady's book tom told his sophia to look in the glass if she were inclined to question his love for her and one look at her own sweet face would convince her of his truth let it be so with yourself dear ask yourself why i should not love the sweetest and most lovable of women if sugar-plums of speech if lover-like attentions could have cured pamela winstanley's mortal sickness she might yet have recovered but the hour had gone by when such medicaments might have prevailed while the captain had shot and hunted and caught mighty salmon and invested his odd hundreds and taken his own pleasure in various ways with almost all the freedom of bachelor life his wife had unawares been slowly dying the light had burned low in the socket and who shall reel you mind that brief candle when its day is over it needed now but a breath to quench the feeble flame great heaven cried captain winstanley pacing up and down his study distraught with the pangs of wounded self-interest i have been taking care of her money when i ought to have taken care of her it is her life that all hangs upon and i have let that slip through my fingers while i have planned and contrived to save a few beggarly hundreds short-sighted idiot that i have been poor pamela and she has been so yielding so compliant to my every wish a month a week perhaps and she will be gone and that handsome spitfire will have the right to thrust me from this house no my lady i will not afford you that triumph my wife's coffin and i will go out together end of volume three chapter nine part two recording by candace Dalek, dallas texas